Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Skull Sessions. Um, this week it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Joe Quayle to the show. Um, Joe would be a classical composer, cellist, and I suppose I'd even say alternative musician or maybe progressive musician because of what the work she does in rock and metal and we'll speak about all that after. But Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to see you. Um, I've seen you playing live and I've, I think I maybe spoke to you very, very briefly at Dunk at one stage. So I'm delighted to get a bit of time and sort of have a little chat and get some insight into how you tick. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> so tell me, Joe, this, this year, 2022, like, I mean, it has been hectic for you, I can imagine, is it? Yes, it has. Um, many of the concerts that I've played this year have been the overhang from 2020. So, yeah. uh, in fact, all, all of them until uh, until a very recent one. I just played on Saturday, but I, I started with the uh, Vodruna tour and yes. then uh, Amon Ra tour and then the Roadburn performance um, and the Emma Ruth Rundle tour as well. And all of these were scheduled, you know, for, for previous times. So it's actually been a logistical uh, feat of great wonder that the promoters <laughs> and booking agent have managed to <laughs> align everything, you know. <laughs> and, and I wonder that you're able to manage all this. I mean, you know, people have to realise, you know, you're, you're a family woman, you have kids, you have a, a life outside of music, you know, it's, um, it's a I balancing do. act, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I mean, I'm very, very lucky. I've got a very supportive family. Um, my husband uh, is he, he works uh, freelance, so we can normally manage to um, dovetail our time. Okay, okay. And I, I don't feel as guilty as one might think, because obviously we had two years solidly together, including homeschooling, where we were a really compact uh, yeah. family in each other's presence all the time. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a balance, as you say. <laughs> and you're managing it. Yes. Are you, are you tired from it? Has it caught up with you yet? No, um, but I've just had the most remarkable concert in Madeira, um, which was part of a part of a cultural program uh, run by an absolutely fabulous hotel. And part of the uh, deal was to have three days accommodation and Beautiful. food in this hotel. So I've just Beautiful. had a miniature holiday with the concert as well. So I feel quite refreshed at the moment. <laughs> That's interesting you say that because I have a Facebook friend, Gil Rodard. Gilberto Rodriguez, as he would be known. And I think he spoke to you at Madeira because that's where he's from. And um, he highlighted that show to me and he said it was incredible. But as you said, the setting was something special, was it? Oh, it was extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an outdoor concert. Obviously, the weather is is, is more uh, is sort of temperate there. And so um, it, I was playing under a, a huge uh, dragon tree and wow. uh, there was some beautiful, and, and behind me was the mountains. In front of me was the ocean, you know, the audience oh and the ocean. God. It was amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. So look, I suppose I just want to get on to some of the music that you've recorded already, Joe. I mean, you've got maybe, I don't know how many, four albums, your VPs behind you. Yes, I've, I've quite a lot. So I've got four um, albums. I've got From the Sea, which was the first one, then Caldera, yes. uh, then uh, Five Incantations, and then Exolve, which my solo albums. Um, 
I've got the cartographer, which yes. uh, we can talk about in a bit if you want. Exactly, um, will, of course, yeah. And then I've also got, uh, uh, yes, as you say, a handful of, uh, I've got a DVD, which was a live, very nice live concert, actually. It was, it was, it was uh, back in 2010, and it was a live uh, performance of my first album, From the Sea, with loads mm-hmm. of guest musicians. Um, and I was uh, six or seven months pregnant at the time of playing that concert as well. So it was a really <laughs> special time, you know. <laughs> it's something that will stick in the memory, you know, that's oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose something that I, I everybody's probably asking, like anyone that's in metal and rock circles will have seen you at, at these festivals. You know, they would have seen you at Roadburn, Arctangent, Dunkfest and stuff. And even including myself, the first time I saw you, maybe back in 2017 or 18, I was just completely caught by surprise because I was aware of the overlap from your classical influences and your classical training, we'll say, to this rock looping mad sound, you know. Is it something that you were planning? Is it something that was always there? Or did it just happen organically? Did it sort of manifest itself? Yes, yes. It was, it was, I would say it was quite organic. But the thing is, I'd always been uh, very keen on uh, metal and rock, if you, if you like, yeah. in, in the broadest, probably not in the terms of, of things like Roadburn Festival, but for me, mm-hmm. uh, I'd always been very much into sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of hair metal scene and, and you know, Cinderella and uh, um, yeah. Fast and Pussycat and E-Rat and bands okay. like that, as well as yeah, yeah. Um, the British heavy metal dudes, Priest and Iron Maiden and stuff. Okay. So all of for, for, for ages and ages, I'd always yeah. been into that. So it wasn't, for, in my mind, uh, there was never a division. <laughs> you know, it wasn't sort of an extraordinary okay. move um, from, from one thing or the other. Um, and I suppose the, the classical training was really, uh, when I was a kid anyway, it was extraordinarily broad. So mm. uh, it, we were never uh, limited to the dots on the page. And obviously, okay. we, clearly we taught to read music, obviously, and, you know, um, and to, to view music from that point of, you know, that you having yeah, that yeah. sort of language or interpretation. Um, but also improvisation played an enormous part of our yeah. training in inverted commas. So we were, from, from a very, very young age, we were taught to, um, to be able to listen and to respond. Um, and that is outside of any confines of uh, genre, if you like. Okay, you know, I you're just you. playing, you know, I mean, unless you have to respond in the style of, I don't know, a Mozart quartet or something, which is one thing. But if you're just having a genuine response, if somebody plays, you know, the cowbell and then you have to do a little kind of turn <laughs> on the cello, well, you're yeah. just in your own world then, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Tell me, the cello, how did you pick it up? Or what was the reason for that instrument? Before we go any further, we can go back to that. Yeah, um, it actually was by accident, Pat, to be honest. So was they, um, yeah, when I was at school, the primary school, they had a free string teaching project in all of the inner London schools. And they offered everybody violin, everybody violin or cello lessons, which was extraordinary, you know. Um, and anyway, I said no at, at the start off, and that was fine. And then I started playing playing cello because a term later um, somebody had left in my class somebody had emigrated and so okay. there was a gap in the class and it was in order to get out of some other activity so <laughs> and I was I think I was five or six at the time you know and so I, I joined the cello because that was there was a gap in the cello class so I joined it and um, you know the rest, the rest yeah. is history I mean, <laughs> as they say <laughs> exactly I mean it is incredible how it, how something so easily falls into place at the age of six yeah you know, no plans no 
<laughs> no thinking ahead, no future. Like, and look mm. where you are today. It's- I know, but you know, I mean, the thing is, it's not, it wasn't it wasn't a sort of straight run path because I had um, I stopped playing for many years, quite a few years after my degree. Because okay. interestingly enough, uh, what interesting to me anyway is I'd gone through the whole if you like classical education. I'd done my mm. performance degree. Um, I didn't, I was not ever going to be a solo. I was not good enough, you know, I was not Jackie Dupre or something. I didn't feel passionately about playing in an orchestra. And so I felt a bit like a square peg in a round hole. And even okay. at that time at university, I would spend a lot of time DJing uh, rock shows on the radio whilst doing, you know, my kind of classical side of you know, the degree and stuff. And, uh, and so I was 18, 19, and I, at that time, I didn't see how the two worlds would ever meet. And I wasn't yeah. even thinking that they would. I never had that thought, you know. Mm. So so the only thing I thought once I'd done my degree was I, I don't, I don't want to do this, um, you know, okay. and I feel, I feel far away from it. And so I stopped playing and then, then I had a real job, you know, in the city with the salary and everything. And it was very fine, <laughs> but eventually, you know, you find your way back um, to these things when the time is right. Yeah. So, and what brought you back? I mean, when you, when you did go back, we'd say, was it yeah. going back to the classical aspect of it? No. At that stage, did you say, I want to try something different? It was, um, again, by accident. So a friend of mine said at one point, um, oh, you used to play the cello. My friend, Rose McDowell, who was a big artist in the 80s, still still a performing artist now, Rose, Mm -hmm. was playing at Whitby Goth Festival and she needed a a cellist um, in her band. And my friend, it was a mutual friend, said, oh, you know, Rose is looking for a cellist. And I thought, oh, my goodness me. I was deadly nervous you know for some reason I said yes okay and uh that was my first stage that was my first step back and yeah it was really interesting as I say I was deadly nervous of course now something like that would would, would be a great joy and I'd approach with uh, you know I know no problem um but then I thought okay uh after I've done this concert I thought well yeah we, we can be friends again me and my cello so I found when my teacher who I had for many years up until about six years ago okay. um and he was a very inspiring man and you know then I kicked when I kicked off again it was still in the kind of classical route but I'd had crucially this one experience of playing a gig if you like on mm-hmm. the stage um without a music sound without any dots on the page which never phased me anyways but I okay. had this experience of this gig and I think that was when the seed was planted and I started to think hmm yeah, I, I like doing this. Yeah, <laughs> you know? there's, there's, there's something here. Yeah, something yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take that's, a look. That's fantastic. I mean, again, it, it was sort of by chance again that you came back into it. Yes, just by your friend's request almost. Exactly. And if he hadn't said anything, I doubt very much you and I would be sitting here talking today like this. You know, it's that's, just, that's mad. That, that's a mad thought anyway. It is mm-hmm. like, it really is. Yeah. Thank, thank God. That yeah. man spoke to you. Thank <laughs> yes. God. He's a good man. <laughs> he is. He is. We, have to, we have to thank him, actually. Bring, yeah, him yeah. On, bring him on and thank the man himself. But, like, obviously, how did that then open the door to you doing alternative styles of cello music? If, if that's even the right wording, but you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, that, that'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when I talk to my students, uh, a lot of the time we talk, I've got, some, I work for a university, we teach, uh, do master's courses for composition mm-hmm. and songwriting and stuff. When I talk to them, I, I encourage them heartily to dispense with any form of genre or any preoccupation 
preoccupation with genre, but things yeah. like, uh, you know, experimental or alternative are fine because that covers a very big umbrella, you know, exactly, so I, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. So, but um, again, it was Rose. I think the next concert I did for Rose was at um, uh, Leipzig WGT. So uh, we've got a Treffen Festival and um, that was my first experience of a, of a big festival with yeah. a crowd who were very um, kind of interested and enthusiastic about instruments uh, outside mm-hmm. of a normal kind of rock genre. So at okay. the time, I mean, cello, violin, their strings have always been, been quite popular. But uh, anyway, they were very enthusiastic. And so when I started to think about writing my own music and mm. f- for a while I had a band um it was to to Leipzig and to Thomas that I went first for to see if I could play a concert because okay. I'd had an inroad so so basically the, the goth scene welcomed me uh with very open arms um and again I was not trying to be goth or metal or yeah, anything yeah, I just, yeah. It just I wrote, yeah and the thing is Pat I wrote music without lyric without words and so in the instrumental that's automatically also uh, welcomed by this mm-hmm. this uh, the, the people with this types of taste in music. All right. So it was yeah it was it was, it was slow um, a slow slow and steady progress like the hermit. It was one foot in front of the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there was not yeah it was not rush. It was as again not rushed. using the word organically again. It just yes. sort of materialised into what it is today. That's you right. Know? I I hate bringing up COVID because you know we're all sick to our back teeth talking about it but <laughs> I suppose it's been a big part of everybody's life I mean it's two years of of an artist's life so I'd be curious to wonder what uh, how you adapted to it because you know some artists crumbled and literally fell off the scene and you never saw them again mm-hmm. others embraced it and created mm-hmm. online collaborations and and did something outside the box you know where did you fit in within those two years I I had a bit of both to be perfectly honest with yeah. you. I I, I didn't. Uh, so the, the the full impact of it uh, I didn't recognise until some months later. So in the opening uh, couple of months, hmm. when it became clear that one thing after another was cancelled, you know, and that was yeah. from, from March onwards. Then I realised sort of the the enormity of it. And then and then I had this false hope that we'd all be all right in six months' time. And then I realised again that we wouldn't actually. Um, so for me, uh, what most many people who were outside of the music industry, they said to me, well, you know, it's wonderful, isn't it? Because now you've got this time and, you know, you can pour your energies into writing and, mm. you know, express how you feel. Uh, I couldn't even pick up my cello for months, <laughs> Pat. I mean, yeah. aside from homeschooling, you know, which was, we, we actually got that down to a fine art second time around. But um <laughs> It was for me. It was it was paralyzing. I felt disconnected. I also felt it was a real eye opener because I felt that some part of me I could no longer. I did didn't didn't belong to me. I didn't know it. I, I didn't mm. sort of own it anymore. This part that's used to the stage, and not from an egotistical point of view, but from a connection point of view, of bringing music to people, speaking this way with people, that was gone, and it was cut yeah. off, and it was isolating. So what I did when I pulled myself together, which took quite a long time, I. Okay. Um, put out a call, if you like, on Facebook. Um, and I said to people, I miss you very much. Uh, I can't write any music in a minute, but what I'd like to do is make a project with you. So I invited everybody to send me some sounds recorded on their mobile phones from their okay. lockdown walks. 
And I thought that I would get, I don't know, 10 or 20 submissions. I got 167 from across the world, literally <laughs> everywhere. We, yeah. we were Australia, we were in America, Canada, we were India, we were everywhere. They sent these little things to me and I built this piece of music and it's online. It's called The Paradox Ken. And it's a piece of music that's built entirely, if you like, from sound design and from these. Wow. The, I used every single thing. Some people sent one note on a flute or some people sent a piano piece that they they permitted me to cut into so I, so everybody Thanks. was in this piece and it was a way to keep connected and I did little updates on just on social media saying okay I've, I'm, I'm listening to all your uh, instruments today yeah. I'm listening to your percussions and this is what we're doing and how do you feel and blah blah, blah. um and it was it was incredibly empowering and actually it was really really built a really strong community because we were all all 168 mm-hmm. if you can include me there we all were doing this together they Creating were invested unique, yes exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. it that's it it was and that was the biggest kind of therapy and learning curve for yeah. me as and well you know, i'm actually delighted i asked a covid question no because i wouldn't have known that and again, I was saying, do I bring up COVID? Do I depress the life out of everybody? No, but that's, that's a great story that came out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. 168 people getting together. Yeah. And, and again, it, it was refreshing for you, something different. Yeah. It was hugely yeah. refreshing. I, I mean, you know what I did do a few times? I mean, what, what, what I was not able to do with uh, any any form of conviction was to play online at home concerts. And I, yeah. I, I once I got over that, I felt much more relaxed. And I spent, I used to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and come down to my music room here mm-hmm. and worry about learning how to use OBS or one of these other softwares. Uh, and I, it went, when I just got over that, yeah. <laughs> I was right, I'm not going to do this. That's not how I want to do things. So then when the paradox can, came in as being and came to life, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really empowering on so many levels. I'm very Brilliant. glad you asked about COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, it's something to re-energise you and give you another, a different, a completely different outlook. I mean, it just goes to show you 167 different people from different walks of life, different parts of the world, all yeah. part of your little world there. It's, it's, yeah. it's mad, isn't it? It was beautiful. It, it was, was absolutely really beautiful. Was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of people would have expected the likes of yourself being a solo artist mm-hmm. as such, like to be in that room. And to be putting out track after track for people to listen to, and you know, here's yeah. here's something just to fucking wash yeah. away the wash away the boredom. Here's something new, you know. But you did something very very unique, and that's great. That's a great insight. I'm delighted. Yeah. I suppose I, I want to talk again about obviously what you're doing in the rock and metal scene because that's obviously where, what the show relates to a lot yes. of the time. I hope um, <laughs> your looping techniques that you use, Joe, and it's probably. Like it, it's it's synonymous with your sound, you know, um, that and your cello itself, the actual creation of the actual cello is, 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 a, is a work of art. Like, you know, it's beautiful, isn't it? It really is. You might as well tell me who created <laughs> right. that as we're so, here before uh, we it was, My cello was made for me about, uh, I want to say maybe 16 years ago, maybe a little uh, so around that time. 
by a guy called Dave, Dave Shepton, up in okay. Fort William. And he is uh, Starfish Designs. That's the name of his company. And he makes now uh, electric harps, Celtic harps. Beautiful, At the yeah. time, he was making violins, cellos, and double basses, viola as well. Um, so it is a specific, it's a design. So it's not a unique design, but each one is handmade. And okay. each one is measured to the, the uh, same distances of the exi- my existing acoustic cello. Okay. Um, he put some modifications into the finger board for me for some of the extended techniques that I do um he doesn't make them anymore so oh. there are only a handful of these cellos in the world and uh I when I used to travel a lot which I will do again to Australia there was not one of his cellos on that side of the world at all so it's very um, so in a way it's been a wonderfully uh, a wonderfully useful marketing tool. I didn't intend that. When I was mm-hmm. looking for an electric cello, I tried um, various of the big names, which we yeah. don't need to list Major, here. Exactly, but, yeah. Um, yeah. but there was something I felt uncomfortable with all of them. With my cello, the design is such that it is it is beautiful and yeah. it ha- it feels, when I sit down to play it, it feels like a normal cello, but it has the top bouts and the, the bottom bouts, so the curvy bits on it, if you like, the uh, there's there's pieces of, of the structure are in place so you still yes. feel that obviously you don't have the body of the instrument mm-hmm. so you don't have the resonance but I still feel I feel at one with that instrument whereas okay. some of the others that I tried felt like I was um, pl- I, they felt like I was playing from a distance whereas with my cello both my cellos this one here as well I feel yeah. there's a connection there we are one the, yeah. the, the bow is an extension of the arm the fingerboard is an extension of the left hand you know I get you. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, no, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, if you can't feel your instrument and can't get on with your instrument, you're wasting your time. Yes. This looping technology that you use, when did that start? And when did you say to yourself, do you know, I want to try something a little different. Here's a, a pedal board I'm going to plug in. We'll, we'll try this sound, a slap here. Of, well... You know? So for the looping side of it, um, yeah. when I when I'd got going again, we discussed earlier. So I got going again playing with bands. Eventually, I got my electric cello because I wanted to save the life of my acoustic cello. I have a mm-hmm. uh, an English Ferber Ferber cello, is very very beautiful instrument. He's just over two hundred years old now, so you don't wow. really want to put that on a stage no. all the time. Plus, you have to battle with uh, either a drum kit or some kind of monitoring, etc. Anyway, had an electric cello, and I joined in the course of my career a few bands and. Yeah. Um, one of the bands I played with years and years ago, um, actually, uh, my, my husband now was in that band. So that's how we first met several years ago, but we were friends for a long time. Anyway, oh, drop, drop the name of the band, Joe. You might uh, it was Hush, Hush the Many. They were called Hush yeah. the Many. Um, really, it was a great experience being part of this band. And yeah. Ruben had uh, a DL, a Line 6, the Green Line 6 pedal, which had a looping capability of 14 seconds on it. Okay. And it had a small amount of multi-effects. So it had a reverb and it had a delay and things like that. He lent it to me. And I plugged my electric cello in, and that was the first moment that I be- that I experienced the possibilities of what you can do with looping. There was only one channel; it was only fourteen seconds mm-hmm. long, and uh, you could, I think, you could remove what you've done, but, you could, but other than that, you can do any modifications to it. Okay. But that was enough. And so when I teach, and now I do loop, teach looping in, in, in yeah. all sorts of ways. It's one of the things I say now to people. So now I use the RC600. Basically, I moved on to, to the Boss Loop Station. I've used Boss ever since. And now I'm one of Boss's uh, artists. Yeah. So I, I represent them for, for looping, teaching looping, stuff like that. Um, 
I use the RC600 now, which is their new flagship model, which is a six channel um, triple out, uh, output, stereo mm-hmm. output loop station. But I say to people, uh, let's start with the RC20. We've got yeah. one or two channels at the most, yeah, you know, yeah, RC30, yeah, one yeah. or the other. And let's see what we can do with a really small thing here, you know, mm-hmm. because the, 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 just because you've got six channels and they can work completely uh, independently yeah. of one another doesn't mean they have to. <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> um, but but looping, I mean, looping is is the, the concept of looping is is uh, not not that unusual, especially not if you're looking at say serialism and the music, you know, with a, uh-huh. a classical music hat on, or or uh, you're dealing with uh, motific um, re- uh, re- repetition. Okay. Um, so Steve Reich is a good example. Um, uh-huh. Terry Riley, uh, okay. some of these modern composers. Effectively, what they're doing this is a bit of a general sweep, but they're yeah. scoring out. Similarly to what I would do if I was using, for example, two loop channels where they just began to overlap one another. And so from a point of view of a general musical uh, look at things, looping is is a useful compositional tool. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just a means to performance. It's, yeah. it's actually a way to structure composition. That's when it gets quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it also, obviously, it's a very sensible way to facilitate a live performance if you're a soloist. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose, like any, a lot of rock and metal bands, you see there's only three of them on stage and you say, how is it possible that a band like this can put out that sound? But again, it's pedals, it's looping, it's everything else, you know, to create this yeah. hu- huge sound, you know, and, and it's, what yeah. you, it's what you're generating. But not even your looping techniques, you're also bringing in hand movements. Yes. Like, like Drumming, dare we, dare we say drumming? I, I spend a lot of time making, I mean, as we identify, I'm on my own. So mm-hmm. I don't have um, four taiko drummers or a concert bass drum with me, much yeah. as I, well, sometimes <laughs> I do, <laughs> but, uh, you know, generally speaking. So I want to generate percussive sounds. So this is not a, how I spend quite a lot of my time is sound modeling. I use the GT100 multi-effects pedal which is not their latest so boss have now the gt1000 which is all singing or dancing for me to to upgrade if you like to swap over to that pedal would probably be i i estimate about four months work just of sound design and programming which there hasn't been that time you know so i carry on i'm very happy with the gt100 but i spend a lot of time as i say with with percussion sound modeling so i'm i will if you look at my the reason i use the multi-effects is because i want to sometimes rearrange the signal chain Mm -hmm. because i need it a particular way around for a percussion that i'm using so if i've got like a like a fake kind of um kick or something those type of you know Mm -hmm. synthy Mm -hmm. kick drum um usually several things happen before it gets to the preamp stage, okay, which is kind okay. of a bit unusual. The reverbs will often not be at the end of the signal chain. Weird things like that, or there'll be yeah. like a sub delay, which is operating only on half of the channel because okay. I, I need it to carry, I, for example, I'm panning the whole kick left. So the sub's going somewhere else so I can get it to sit on top of something on the right channel. Stuff like that is yeah, it's yeah. kind of, a bit nerdy, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you'd, you'd want to love it, I suppose. You're living it, like you're living it every day. <laughs> this looping technique and everything you do, where do you get the inspiration for the, the sounds? Like, you know, I know you mentioned there, we spoke to that COVID moment when people were sending in yeah. random sounds, clips, <laughs> instruments, you name it. Do you spend your days walking around hearing something going, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit ad hoc, that's a bit different. 
I'd like to try and implement that in my music. Is that how yeah. you operate, how you create your music? Sometimes. I mean, there's been, there's been pivotal moments in my life where I've heard pieces of music which have been a real, which have been a sea change. So one mm-hmm. of them uh, was Womb by uh, Neubauten. And that was, and when I heard that, I hadn't heard, I don't even know if Sano were doing stuff. And it's certainly, obviously, they're much, much heavier. But there was something yeah. about this, this, the depth of the tones in yes. Womb, which really, I, I'd not heard anything like that before. And I think mm-hmm. probably I'm fairly sheltered when it comes to sort of the darker side of experimental music. Yeah. I've yeah. actually since done an album with FM Einheit, which was brilliant. Wow. Um, yeah, he's, he's a dude. So he was in one room with his... Um, pneumatic drill and bricks and dust and then there was me and Eraldo Benocchi in the other room with our instruments having a great time <laughs> there, must, there must be footage of that is there somewhere there's, there's a bit of footage at? there's a whole album because the album's called Rosebud um, and that's that's worth listening to because it's a completely improvised album yes. with, yeah, with FM, Eraldo and me um, but there's that floating about there is some footage I think of, of FM in the studio anyway we'll have to check that out yeah <laughs> But I think it's, yeah, there is, I mean, sounds, sound is what inspires me. Um, you know, obviously hearing tracks now and then, or, or I think, it, uh, for example, the opening of Janicek's Sinfonietta, um, there's some very strident brass. And I remember playing this when I was about 16 in the London mm-hmm. School Symphony Orchestra. And it begins, it has this big brass fanfare. And then you have the big timpani and the concert breaks. And that, at the time, that was heavier than anything I'd heard on the radio yeah. as it was at the yeah. time. And that stayed with me. And that's probably even, I would say now, why I gravitate to brass a lot and why I gravitate to these big percussions. I find them much heavier yeah. than a standard drum kit, um, unless your drum kit is composed like two kick drums and then loads and loads of floor toms. I'm, yeah, I'm happy yeah. with that. <laughs> but I'm not really one for a snare, to be honest with you. <laughs> So, you're, not, you're, not a, you're not a snare fan, no? No, a snare fan. <laughs> I mean, you know, unless it's an 80s splashing snare. Then. <laughs> but, you know, so I want to give people a taste of your music before we go any further, Joe. And it was a tough decision to make. I was saying, what, what will I play and what, what do people want to hear? I went with Mandrill. Mandrill oh, Cantus. Cantus. Yeah, yes. good, good no, idea. <laughs> I love it because I think it brings in all elements. Again, it, there's, there's, there's this quite, there's, there's these softer moments. There's a heavier moments where it's just you and, and your cello, and then you bring in your guest guitarist. Nick. Yeah, Nick, Nick, Samson. Nick Samson. Yeah. Which, again, just brings it to another level once more. You know, it, it's, it's a really great tune. So, guys, have a listen to this. This is Joe Quayle's track, Mandrill Cantus. See what you think.
So there you go, guys. There you have it. Mandrel Cantus from Joe Quayle's album, Exile. <laughs> Super album. And again, as I said, look, I'm a fan of Joe and every album is different. That's all I will say. Just You'll find something unique. You'll find something different. Just go check out our Bandcamp page and um, get lost. Go down the rabbit hole and get lost. It's, it's amazing stuff. Joe, I want to maybe speak about some live shows and the whole live aspect and, and how you deal with it and how you get on with it. Like, sure. <laughs> you have two very, very different worlds. You know I mean? You have your classical world where you have an audience, I suppose, dare I say, very civilized sitting down watching your show. And then you go and turn up at Roadburn or somewhere and you have all these metalheads and these rockers and all of a sudden they're, they're not sitting down, they're standing, but they're in the same trance-like situation where they're staring and watching what you're, what you're doing. Like... Like on stage, it's very minimalist with yourself. It's just you and your cello, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel comfortable up there? Are you yes. ever at a stage where you're, oh, I, 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 I'm struggling here? No, no. Uh, I'm thankful to say that. But I mean, when after, after COVID, the first stage back for me was the Royal Festival Hall in London, which was okay. a massive stage. Yeah. And the only thing I felt, and that was Wajuna, so, so it was sold out, you know, and the only thing I felt there was... Um, well, uh, hello, welcome home me. You know, I felt really happy to <laughs> yeah. be back there. But uh, the, the stage that I had the most curiosity about prior mm-hmm. to playing it was that Hellfest, Temple Stage at Hellfest. Um, when I, I played there in 2019, um, and to be fair, it was a last-minute shoo-in because I should have played with Amelie, with Merca for her band. Okay. She was very prego at the time, so she couldn't do the gig. So I took the slot, which they invited, and it was very nice. And I thought, you know, no, this is going to be empty because I'm not Amelie. And but anyway, lo and behold, um, it was packed. And <laughs> I was, I, I remember walking to that stage, so up the ramp from the backstage, it was blisteringly hot day. So walking up the ramp, going to that stage, and that was the only one where I thought about, can I do this? What am I doing here yeah. in this festival? Because I never said I was metal. I've never said that at all. I, I do say willingly, I very much like distortion, overdrives, heaviness in music, but we'll probably come on to this, but heaviness is, is a, 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 an emotional concept rather than an expression or volume. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I would say, yeah, my music is heavy, but not, not in the same way that I was sandwiched between Combi Christ and Cradle of Filth as well. So, you know what I mean? This was a bit of a sort of an <laughs> iffy kind of, Prospects to be fair. This could have went either way in your head, I suppose. Yes, I was on the flight thinking, Lordy, (laughs) what am I going to do here? Anyway, I it was amazing. It was amazing. Not me. It was the whole thing. Uh, Luckily, the audience were one hundred percent invested in what I did. I had the most incredible messages from people afterwards. Uh, People, there's one guy. He sticks in my head, and he said, "I look." For it, you know, it was a translation, so it was a little bit funny. Okay. But he said brutality, uh, violence. What he meant was this extreme music, yes, and he yes. said, "I watched you, and the tears fell." You know, okay. and and he there's other people saying thank you for for opening my mind. Their minds were already open because they wouldn't have come otherwise. So you know, there you go. I know. Yes. yeah, they were beautiful people, and that was the only stage I've ever really thought about like that. And now, um, I mean, our tangent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 fine because people people either go because they like the music, in which case welcome to to them, 
or they're curious, you know, again, mm-hmm. welcome. If they don't like it or their curiosity is unsatisfied, then they can go away again. It's absolutely fine. That's you know? the beauty of it. They can walk exactly. away and find something else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they don't have to no, stay no, and listen. No. And if they get captured in some way or another, then even if I play one note that makes them think about something for one second, then that's a job done. You yeah. know, that, that's, yeah. that's the point of music, isn't it? To... Uh, when you're talking about taking it to a stage, uh, is 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 not the composition or the hours of teeth gnashing that go into creating a piece. It's to be able to make an environment in which we can communicate. We can temporarily suspend time and suspend uh, thought in, and 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 just be present, present. You know, at that moment. With your style of music, it's 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 a style of music to get lost in. You know what I mean? Yeah. When um, you go to, when I go to see your shows, like and uh, Jesus. This year's Dunk Fest, that that theatre that you played in, wasn't in, it lovely? It, Pat, it eh? was just something special. Like what, <laughs> what a place! You know, you're walking down the corridors next to your three tiers high yeah. in this. I, I, I know. don't want to describe it. Like it was an incredible experience, and to see you, just you and your cello down there. You know, the place was. There was yeah. you'd, you would have heard a pin drop. Yes, yeah, so you know, such. Courtesy, but people do. But that's the thing, you see. It's just it's such an emotive experience for everybody, especially for us, the listeners. Oh. Do you do you experience that? Is there a stage where you can look up and say, "Jesus, look at all these people watching"? I, yeah, yeah, and it's it's very it's very um, it all of the concerts are very emotional for me, whether they're very small ones or whether they're yeah. extraordinarily large ones. Um, but it's funny because I never I never think. Uh, as you put it, look at those people watching me. Uh, that never occurs. What what I think is when I look up, on the rare occasions I open my eyes, I think yeah. here we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've, I often say this, but for me, the performance is uh, is this tri- triangle, this exchange of energy between audience, me, and the stage. And the stage mm-hmm. itself has its own personality too. So we are all three of us uh, exchanging uh, thoughts. It's like a it's like a conversation. Maybe I'm the one that's making noise and playing, but yes. it's only there because people are, are sitting or standing, and because I have a a, a, an area to play on, whether that's yes. a floor or a stage or I don't know, a bit of a wood or whatever that is. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's never, uh, it, it's never a, a, a look at here, they are, here I am. It's we, it's here we are, mm-hmm. you know. And that matters to feel. I, 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 I'm passionate about that and that, you know, it's. It, that's great. Yeah. The other side of that playing live, I mean, again, with what you do, if you make an error. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's there to be seen you know what I mean oh, yeah. there's, there's no hiding behind it. another artist or another instrument it's you and your, your yeah, cello yeah. you know uh, because if happen. you get your start wrong if you get the loop yeah. or your percussions wrong because Don't I think you, you have at times I think when I saw you and you art tangent <laughs> I think to me it's been a boo-boo and you, and you corrected yourself and, and everyone has a laugh and it's not a big deal <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of it all you know it's amazing. I mean, the thing is also about live music. I mean, it's you know, if I make that a mistake, like uh, yeah, you're going to hear it every time it rocks round, basically, <laughs> if it's on a loop. But, but uh, you know, if you want a perfect performance, then listen to the album. Even then, they're not perfect because I'm not interested in that overproduced, polished thing. What I'm interested yeah. in is capturing a particular energy at that moment. And so mm-hmm. live, I think that's why audiences... Uh, well, many things go unnoticed. The things are never completely in tune. Yeah, you know, I'm I know, passionate. I, I shoot yeah, over yeah. the note, whatever, who cares? But it's 
it's more than the sum of its parts, you know. It the, is exactly the performance. that. Yeah. So it, that's it's fine by me, you know. I mean, if everybody else is all right with that than I am. So. <laughs> well, more than all right with it. It's, it's no big deal at all. It's, it's part of the beauty of it, you know. It's, it's yes. just, again, we use the word organic already, but we just use it again. Yes. What happens, happens live and it becomes its own thing, like, you know. Even going back, just briefly back to recording there, when you recorded your music, you're thinking about playing this live, aren't you? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it, you don't it, record an album just to have it as a perfect album. You have to, no. you literally have to copy this and do it live. Five Incantations um, was written was the only album that was specifically written to be performed from start to finish live. Uh, once the album was released, well, in fact, okay. I've been performing tracks from it before that. Um, the others, including Exolve, um, so with with Exolve, there are four tracks on there, and three of them yeah. I play live now. So I play uh, Cantus, as you just played. I play mm-hmm. uh, Rea Pavan, and I play Forge live now as well. The one I cannot do live is Corsaline's Wheel, I, yes. because I need to. I could do a version of it, but actually, yeah. what's beautiful in that track is it would be like the orchestration in exactly. terms of you know. Um, uh, others, other tracks ha- have dropped by the wayside. Uh, but yes, I mean to answer your question, yes, I've got half an eye always on the live performance. But equally, yeah. uh, the live performance is going to be very different from the album version. It's going to be different every time I play it. I mean, mm-hmm. I could play gold for you every night for ten nights, and each time it would be a factually yes. different performance. So. And that's something which I've been playing for a long time. Um, and that's part of the beauty of it all, yeah. Joe, really, isn't it? You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Some, yeah. you know, every show is different, every show is special. Because as yeah. I said, I think I've seen you three times. Yeah. Not one show was the same, you know, whether it just be the environment you're in, the stage, the atmosphere, the people. It's mm-hmm. always something that there's always something new to take away from it. Yeah. From our good. point of view, you know. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> On the classical side of it, then, you know, mm-hmm. playing in that environment is very different, obviously, than sitting up a, a robe or a Hellfest. <laughs> you still get as much joy out of that still? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I rarely do it so much these days. I used to I used to have a pianist I worked with a lot, so we would do recitals and we played yeah. in Debussy or Beethoven, um, which is wonderful. Occasionally now I will play some unaccompanied bar suites or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will use my uh, normal cello for, for recording and, and for playing. Sometimes we, we throw quartets together or quintets, yeah, you know. There's, yeah. there's, I'm still in touch with a lot of people I went to music school uh, nice. with. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear, yeah. 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 Um, but again, it's, funnily enough, I mean, the, the guy who conducts, who, who does my conducting, Gahudios, uh, I was at uni with him. And he, you know, so there's a lot of connections between the people that I studied like classical music with and the people who are now, now I'm bringing on these stages. Um, for, he's part of my quartet, the Joe Quell Quartet. So he plays violin in that capacity. And there we were, you know, playing Lutislavsky Chain 2 and God knows what else at uni. Uh, and here we are then with Mono at Hellfest, whatever it advocates, you know. So it's, um, so, so, the, so the classical world, I, I never, I don't see it. When I play my cello, when I play my electric cello, the reason I do it or the reason I can do it is because I spend almost an equal amount of time playing, you know, piatti caprices and studies, yeah. you know, studies and, and lovely bits of music as well. Okay. Um, but they feed, one feeds the other. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, that's, that's interesting stuff. Now, I have so much I have so much I wanted to ask you about with regards to collaborations, guest appearances, because, as I said, just all fair there, we could spend a night alone talking <laughs> about what you've achieved and what you've done in that, in that aspect. And the bands, I mean, talk about a role of honour, you know, I mean, 
Mm, I, I just I, I have a few written down because I didn't want to forget because they mean a lot to me. Bands like My Dying Bride, oh, yeah. Mono. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how do these bands get in contact with you, or how do you contact these bands with regards to you playing on their albums? Well, um, so, how does it work? Yeah. so normally, what would happen? Um, well, I think what's happened most of the time is that the band have approached me. So, so my dying bride, I don't know whether they knew me or not, but one of their producers, um, Mark Minot, did know me. Mm-hmm. And so I went uh, to record um, for them, for and him. Uh, I went up and just did a session for them, you know, and that, okay. that's where we met. And for, we got on very, very well, yeah. you know, very well indeed. And it was a, it was a pleasure. Merco um, again, when she, uh, it, that was through Hayden, through my booking agent. So, yeah. Uh, I supported her, but we got on very, very quickly. And she needed me to play live on a track for her that evening that I had not heard. And that is something that I kind of specialise in doing a bit. And I think because I was able to do that for her, she was like, right, we can do, we can work quickly together, which we can. And so we did. And so then I did all of the cello for the folk song album. Um, so normally it's, it's, yeah, sometimes they might phone up because they've, you know, they, uh, they maybe have heard something a little bit about me, but usually it's through a contact. Somebody goes, I know a good cellist, she'll do, you know. Don't be so modest for God's sake. Take the credit, take the credit when it's there, Joe. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know, but all I do know is that when I work with these people, we have a very, very good time and I feel yeah. very blessed to have these experiences. So. That's what I was trying to get at as well. Do you actually go to recording studio where these guys are? Or has it been just done online or a bit it's, of both? Uh, it's 50-50. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Dan Dan Cap from Winter Phillips. So they, Winter Phillips were one of the first people to pick me up out of the ether to do um, what their acoustic album for them. And then I met Dan, who I'm very good friends with now. And so Dan introduced me to several people. So for Dan, I went to the studio and then for my Dan Bride at Mercury's Well Studio, uh, other people, because I can record at home, that's also quite helpful yeah, for them. exactly, yeah. Um, and I would send them completely dry recordings and I would send them also uh, the what I would consider to be sort of tasteful uh, reverb and EQ to bring the most out of the instrument because not everybody can handle string instruments and that's fine I, I couldn't yeah. produce um, a drum kit yeah, but I can yeah, produce yeah. I know how to do strings so yeah it, you know it's kind of so sometimes I travel other times okay. uh, I do it from home yeah. do you enjoy that work by the way yeah yeah I love you it do. yeah, yeah absolutely love it <laughs> do you enjoy listening to yourself back on these albums would you actually go about listening to an album yeah to, I, hear, I, to hear your input not to hear my input but to hear how the whole thing hangs together okay, yeah. um so when i got the at the gates live album that was amazing to hear that one that was really yeah. cool I'd, actually they i'd love to do something with them sometime just you know like in a studio version but i think they've got the string players that are a little bit nearer to home for them yeah. but um i don't i very rare i never ever listen to my own albums except um for test pressings but other okay. than that, I don't listen to my own work. Um, so when I do listen to the albums I've guessed on, I'm that, that gives me great joy because I'm just a, a, a spoke in the wheel there, you know. Would you not listen to your one of your own albums? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I might, 
I might listen. Well, it's funny. I mean, I listened to I listened to Five Incantations a couple of times. But one reason was because I at one point I was orchestrating the breathing handout for a choir in in uh, two choirs, one in Australia and one in um, Poland. So okay. I had to listen to that a lot. And then I listened to Stag because I couldn't believe that I re- recorded it at such a slow tempo, you know. And I was <laughs> like, am I serious about that, or is it on the wrong speed? And it actually, it was really slow. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, I. No, not not really. Not yeah. because I'm not proud of them, but because other I have other I've said that, and I'm going to. Do you know what I mean? Musically, I've said that. That's a statement I made. Okay. That's a photograph I took, and now I'm going to take another photograph, possibly of the same landscape, but at a different time of year, if you like. I.e., I'm going to revisit Stag, and it's 30 BPM faster, or I'm going to change slightly something in gold, or yeah. you know. But I, but I maybe will. I'm very proud of the albums and of where mm. they are, but I don't need to to be inside there. I need to yes. be moving that way instead. It's me. I'm waving my arms around here. No, that's an interesting <laughs> interpretation. But yeah, I, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it is. It is mm-hmm. in essence a picture. It is something that yes. is has been done, has been taken. Yes, yes. It's right. there if you want to look at it or if you want to listen yeah. to it. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose your mind is always thinking ahead. We are. It's it's human nature, isn't it? Do you know, I think let's go with the whole picture thing because it's like taking a picture of a land, of a landscape that you know very well. So you've got that photo, but equally you could go and then look at that landscape with your own eyes in the flesh. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what it's like when you look at, when you start to perform, if I start, when I started to perform Salamander, for example, again, from Five Incantations, which yeah. I don't do very much. I wasn't looking at the photograph in inverted commas. I was looking at the real landscape of Salamander. Okay, okay. uh, and, and then then you see things you didn't see at that point in time, i.e. you hear things you mm-hmm. didn't, that are the possibilities. Yeah, um, yeah. Ah, so that's... <laughs> Interesting stuff, Joe. And, and I suppose that's all about guest appearances, but I suppose collaborations then is a, is a different thing completely like, because it's something you're more invested in. Yeah. Um, the likes of the work you've done with Tom Morris... Yeah, her yeah. name is Calla. I mean, Tom's fab. He's great. Tom is incredible. Like he really yeah. is, you know. And and they're an incredible band. Her name is Calla. Are, yeah. are an amazing group of musicians. Absolutely. Like, yeah. These collaborations again. Is he a friend that you just enjoy so much? Being part of his world, his musical world. How, yeah. how does it come about? You know how. Yeah, I was going to say my collaborations are. Uh, I I will only collaborate with somebody I actually know. I don't have to even know them very well, but I'm not I'm not up for this. You know, collaborating with so and so because it might get you another run up the yeah. ladder or something. Yeah. So I'm very lucky because therefore the people that I collaborate with, are, as I say, people I know, people whose friendship I value or whatever you know, deep mm-hmm. friendship, passing friendship, who I have enormous musical respect for, and Tom is one of them, and he. Um, he got in touch and we played the same concert years and years ago at a shared stage in Kilburn and the, the venue isn't even there. And I had okay. in my in my infancy as a soloist, I'd supported her name is Calla on an album. So we had crossed paths. Yeah. We'd always sort of stayed in touch a bit and, you know, oh, we should do so. Yeah, we should do something in the years past and the children are born, you know. Of course, yeah, <laughs> and, life goes on. Yeah. Life goes on. And then he rang up and he said, uh, the, what does he call people? Uh, uh, but yeah, or something like that. Buddy, I've got this. I've got an album. Um, do you want to put some cello on it? I was like, fantastic. He said, great, because uh, I need it. There's nine tracks. I need them back by next Tuesday. You know, I was like, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, actually, yeah. that suits me really well because if people say, yeah, uh, there's no, there's no rush. There's no deadline. Well, I won't do it. Basically, yeah. I will tell you I will, and I will have in my heart the honesty to to wish to do it, but I won't do it unless you tell me you need it next Tuesday. Um, so. <laughs> 
So I did it for him. And that was how for the benefit of all was born. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to bring up next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a great piece of music, like a really, a really interesting thing, a completely different concept again, Joe. Yes. Like it's yeah. something so <laughs> unique, and, and that's, what I, that's what I love about what you're involved in and what you, what you get, yeah, caught up in whether you want to or not. You know, it's there's always something different about it, and I think that's the attraction. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Are you proud of that work? Actually, out of curiosity, that oh, oh, for the benefit of all, for the benefit of all, yeah, very proud. I mean, it was it, you know, it, it, it was it was Tom's concept, yeah, um, and and he did the, the the you know heavy lifting there, and I just got to come in at the last moment and uh, like take the the big broad brush with yes, beautiful yeah, lettering yeah. on it. You know what I mean? And that was yeah. my kind of the signature. You were there for the signature. <laughs> We, the greatest joy, which is doesn't always happen with these collaborations, is that we were able to perform it live twice as well, and we may well do again, or three times actually. So, and each time again, it's completely different yes. because first of all, neither of us could remember what we'd done because it was an <laughs> improvised thing, and the the way we responded to uh, the, the titles to Kelly's artwork that also changed, you know, yeah. of course over the course of a year or so. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was a really, really great experience. Like I said, we could speak forever about yes. collaborations and stuff, but yes. again, and, and one of my favorite bands, and I know an, an Irish band, God is an astronaut. Oh. I know you did, I know you guest appeared on Ghost. Yeah, Dates. yeah, uh, yeah. Would you like to do something with them? Oh, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. I mean, yeah. I, I would, I would do anything. You know, I'd love to play, I'd love to, to, to go on stage with them and do something sometime. I, I, I have so much time for them. I think they're fantastic musicians and they're, yes. they're really, really nice people too. They, <laughs> they're, they are just incredibly nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just always had this thing that you were the perfect match. If I could uh, see you playing with them on stage, it would be just something magical. Like oh, I man. really do think it's something that would work. I'd so, love um, to. Yeah. Hopefully Torsten and the lads are listening in and, and uh, <laughs> taking note. Do you know, Torsten was how I met David Rooney, who did the artwork for the cartographer as well, because David oh, Rooney right. does uh, God is an astronaut's artwork. And, That's right. Yeah, and I, I was blown away by his covers. And anyway, yeah. Torsten was very kind to introduce me. And at the same time, David has got a project. Uh, so he he's, uh, does uh, etching, you know, but he has a musical project. He has the most beautiful voice, David Rooney. Okay. And Torsten said could I put a little bit of cello down for his friend that he was producing and that it was very beautiful? And I said, yes, of course. And it turned out it was David Rooney. So then we had this connection established and then I commissioned him to make the artwork for the cartographer. And it's just this wonderful kind of family feeling. Isn't, yeah. isn't that, it's such a close-knit community. We always say this, you know, yes. even in the metal world, like it's it's just yeah. so, everyone's so close and, and so respectful of each other. It's, it's lovely. It's, it's an amazing thing. It is you, yeah. you brought me on perfectly onto the cartographer, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the same question. How did it come about? Because like it's, it was commissioned by Roadburn. Yeah. Like, what does that, what does that even mean? Commissioned by? So Roadburn. How, how did that work out? They have, um, they, they have uh, a funding body which uh, allows them to commission new music, which is mm. very, very important culturally, of huge significance, obviously. And it's yeah. something that uh, is quite rare to come across. Anyway, they, um, bestowed the honour literally to me that is how it felt like like getting a knighthood or something of, of being their commissioned composer and I had a meeting um, at 
breakfast at the Roadburn, which would have been Roadburn 2019. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd just done Mono and At The Gates, and I think I'd done Emily that year as well. So we, we'd, I'd had a lot of concerts there, all session. Anyway, Walter said, um, what we would like to explore is the concept of heaviness within classical music. Yeah. And but, and the concept of heaviness, where but effectively uh, where the two worlds meet, which of course is my bag completely by accident, you know, which is yeah. that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, what he what he what wasn't in the commission, but what he said to me was that they were keen in this with, with what they'd given to me to do. They didn't want. Um, string instruments with a band or something like they wanted a new work and this was where that was of a huge excitement Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I can't tell you honestly I mean uh, following that meeting I was just off like a whip out the box and I was thinking great you know because this is what someone's given me a budget they've asked me to write a 50 minute work so this Mm -hmm. is something I can really get my teeth into from a compositional point of view as well and they want it to be heavy but we're not going to use traditional instrumentation i.e you know guitar drum bass exactly so what we're going to use I thought is uh, (laughs) brass we're going to have brass here and uh, I am and Friends with um, uh, several, uh, well, friends with Yost, who's friendly with the New Trombone Collective, uh, who are a 21-strong trombone ensemble. Wow. Um, I could only afford eight of them, but eight was more than enough. <laughs> so, so I've got this. So I was writing. I knew immediately I'm writing. I, uh, all the people that I wrote for were people I knew. Again, like we were talking about collaboration. So I wrote for Lucy Daly, uh, who's sung on Corsini's We Are Lambert for me. Uh, Jake Harding, who's with the band Gravelines. I had yeah. Floris, my pianist, who I love to the ends of the earth. I had these two fabulous percussion players. Um, a, a really great. You know, we knew we were going to have timpani. We were going to have tam tam concert bass drum. Uh, all these other bits and pieces. Uh, we were gonna you know, have D- Danielle, my violinist. She's tr- a treasured friend of mine, very yeah. great player. So I was like, right, I've got this ensemble. It's really weird. And the th- thing that I wanted to explore in the music was, I said to Walter, for me, uh, heavy music. As I said to you, Pat, yes. earlier in the interview, we it's defined not by the volume mm-hmm. or by the instrumentation, but by the intention of the composer and the delivery of the performance. And what's important for me in heavy music is the juxtaposition. This is, for example, what Amon Radu in Bowdoin is a very good example. So you have uh, something which is very tense, almost like yeah. a coiled spring of this, in, in their case, percussion, before it explodes out into these enormous heavy chords. Now with the cartographer, I knew that I wanted to open the whole thing after a bit of preamble. I wanted to open yeah. it with Danielle. So solo violin accompanied by eight trombone players, which is as much juxtaposition as I could get into that. <laughs> whole thing. You know, and it works. Now it works because we have Raymond Tabak on front of house, who's brilliant, but it also works because uh, the way I wrote left space between Danielle's, if you like, you know, this filigree lace yeah, of the violin yeah. and then the battering ram of the bones. And if you write in such a way, you can have this push and pull effect. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you coerce, it's, it's again, it's orchestration thinking about, well, if I've got all, everybody going, you know, hell for leather, how am I going to use Danielle, for example, and Lucy or with the yeah. high flute, yeah. where, where will they sit? So what role do they occupy? And so my scores have things in like Danielle, it said, you are the bird here, you are the cormorant. And, you know, so you must so fly uh, and Lucy's uh, direction 
at the end of the second movement is um, you are starlight becoming the priestess. Now, these are people I work with a lot, so they know what I want. There's no point me putting a load of ledger lines on a score. They know what I want. Yeah. And everybody else has got the dots on the page. Anyway, it was just, it was wonderful, Pat. It was just such an amazing experience to, to write this commission and huge yeah. To compose it, you know, to be, yeah. you know, to have free reign and just let your mind yeah. take over. Yeah, it's it must a, have I mean, been a unique experience. Yeah. I'm forever, forever thankful beyond what I have words for to, to Walter and Becky and yeah. for their complete faith, you know, the fact that they basically invested. It's kind of like, right, that's what we can give you. You're going to perform this. We're going to give you all the help in the world with your stage, with your lights. I had this brilliant lighting design from David Howard here in the UK as well. I had absolute dream team. I had, had perfect Lex was doing the score reading. So he was able to, on, for the live performance, because mm-hmm. we had very little rehearsal, he mm-hmm. was able to take the score and then he could cue the lighting guys when there was a change. Seeing because he was reading as we were going, he can cue VPN changes for... For, for Raymond, you know, this incredible team of people. Yeah. Um, and for the performance, we actually had a different trombone section as well. Um, we had crossbones trombones because obviously in the two-year hiatus, okay. it, it, other people weren't available. But, it, you know, it, it, we had this, and just the fact that Walter had effectively said, do what you like, we trust you, you know. And the crowd um, were, were amazing, Pat. You know, yeah. I mean, it, was, it was the most humbling experience we had no expect we didn't know we didn't know what people would think we didn't i mean i've never to be fair never really cared that much about what people thought but the fact is that this was something commissioned by roadburn so i wanted it to be a success because i wanted roadburn to have success from this not me personally and so i was deadly worried that people would think it was a load of rubbish and that would reflect on roadburn um but that hasn't luckily been the case definitely not the case you know but you do think you think of these things because you've I, I wrote this and I believe in it, but it's it's for road burn. And, and what if it's you've always a fear with people not with people not get it. I know. Not understand it, you know? I know. But, but they have, and I suppose it just shows you, yeah. irrespective of of genre or style of music, whether it be classical, rock, metal. If the music is right, it'll make sense. You know, it'll all, it'll all come together, like you know, and. Yeah. I think you just do yourself such an injustice. Like you're so humble in what you've achieved, like and, and what you do. You, like you've thanked so many people in the last ten minutes, and you've recognised all these musicians. You know, don't ever forget yourself. I mean, you created this thing. Like it, it, it's fantastic. Like you know, it really is. Bless you, um, but I, you know that's not how I operate. But thank you no, for saying you, that. I think, you, I think you need to hear it on occasion, Joe. I think you really do. I'm actually a little bit conscious of time because I know you've yes. got a class at half eight, don't you? Yes, thank you. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, before I get on to my three session questions, which we'll have a bit of fun about, oh, yes. um, have you tours coming? I know you I... actually hit, you hit the Emerald Isle recently with Wardruna. <laughs> Yeah, God, yeah, I can't uh, wait to come back. I, yeah. I was with Emma as well in Belfast and, Ruth, and, yeah, and Dublin. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with Emma again in November, although, uh, well, I am with her, but um, it's not been like formally announced, but it's okay to, to tell you that. So that's Good. okay. Um, I've got a couple of in and outs, but other than that, uh, things are quite are quite peaceful. What I'm hoping for is my own headline, my first headline tour yes. um, in the spring of next year. So, you know, if it's possible, 
then that's what we'll do. But if it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Pat, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm always the, the support actor. That's kind of a pretty safe place to be, you know. <laughs> you, you can get, you can get comfortable in that position. Yeah, I suppose, can't you can, you, you can. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't so, know. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you're well and truly able to stand out <laughs> and take the next step and, and, and be the headline for sure. Thank right. you. Let's get on to those three questions before I let Frankie. you go. Joe. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, I know you had very little time to think about them, but sure, we just drive with it. Yeah. So, if you could go into a recording studio, Joe, and record a cover version, right? It doesn't matter what genre or style. Is there any uh, track that you would love to put your stamp on? That I would love to cover? Um, yeah. Probably, but. I'm trying to think what it would be. Oh, I'll tell you what, yeah. I don't, I'd, have, I'd have quite a bit of fun doing. You know, um, you know, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, um, Silence. So yeah. the, the Tiesto Club uh, yes, mix, of, mix that, yeah. of that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. Like a great answer. That was, that was some answer thinking on your feet, Joe. Well, it's just because I was thinking about that. Uh, to be fair, I actually was thinking about that quite recently and I've just remembered it. I was thinking, how would I approach some of those filter sweeps on an acoustic cello? That's what's, that's like how exciting I am. <laughs> that's inside the mind of Joanna. Yeah. That's what goes on. <laughs> the second question, if you could experience playing live with any band, the past or current band, who would you have loved to be on stage with or who would you like to be on stage with? Oh, Ibrahim Ferrer uh, from the Bonavista Social Club. I would have loved oh. to have been in his backing band, you yeah. know. Uh, it's all going on there, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, I saw him at the Royal Festival Hall and that's something I'm incredibly thankful for because that was such an eye-opening experience. Um, just to, to see the movement, uh, to, to see music presented with the whole body, you yeah, know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Everything beautiful. Yes, beautiful. yes, beautiful. yes. And the last question, Joe, give me a name of an album or a band to look out for this year. Is there anything that you've been looking forward to? I think I'll tell you what, I've been, I've been listening to um, Jake's Gravelands album, which is phenomenal. So you've got oh. to give that one a listen. Definitely, definitely listen to that. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, that, well, I'll tell you what, my daughter's listening to Imagine Dragons a lot. So you is have she? to... <laughs> So we also quite enjoy that. But but Jake's, yeah, Gravelines, Gravelines new album. If you want to hang on, I can tell you what it's called because Do I've just right. gotten, I'm just Googling here. Yeah. Um, because I've got uh, uh I've got a new uh, um what what's my what am I trying to say to you? This is exactly I I can't uh, communion it's called. Okay. I can't uh multitask anymore. I can't I thought, hold... I thought, I thought every woman could multitask, <laughs> I thought only men struggle. I think yeah. I'm getting worse as it as it to, do you know what I've noticed is my music gets more abstract, my ability to <laughs> to function in a normal capacity is also diminishing. <laughs> so um, multitasking being one of them. But well, you're not alone anyway, you're not alone with that. I, you, I, can, I can assure you. Like I said, I'm lucky I pressed record here. Come here, Joe. I wanna I wanna thank you, sorry, for taking the time out to speak to me. It's a pleasure. It, it was an absolute pleasure, it really was, as I said, very interesting to get inside the mind of yeah. Joe Quaid and, and, and just see what what your what your music is all about like I said we could have spoke for hours between collaborations I, I mean I, I skipped over that a little bit like because I have a list of about <laughs> 20 bands here I could have spoken about you know so anyway <laughs> may, maybe another day Joe we can get you back on the show yeah thank um, you for having me so much it's all, been great and look, good luck with everything else for the rest of the year you're an absolute star uh, and thanks for coming <laughs> on the show there you have it guys Joe Quayle check out her Bandcamp page check out everything she does anyway, every collaboration every guest appearance you probably know half of them already but just revisit them if you have
thanks to Richie from the Metal Cell podcast who will be editing and producing this show. And everybody else, see you in two weeks' time. Take care of yourselves. Good night. Mm-hmm.